Mid-market sized businesses are where the true economic action in business really is. They are nimble and agile, they're factories of growth, they lead in innovation and they're early adopters of tech. These enterprises need the right tools, support and environment to flourish. But sadly, they're often overlooked and undervalued. Not here though. This is the Mid-Market Matters podcast and I'm your host, Craig West. We'll explore pain points, growth strategies and how to find the competitive edge. Welcome to SME Radio. We're going to talk about a really interesting new model, and I guess you'd call it a management model, but it's probably also a communication model. And we're going to talk to Tim Ryan, who's actually brought the model out here to Australia and he's implementing it with clients. I was actually lucky enough to sit in on one of Tim's workshops a couple of months ago. Actually, it was more than that now. Uh, with one of my clients that I'm working with Tim on. And it was a really interesting experience to see how this model works. And I think it's got fantastic application for mid-market businesses. So Tim Ryan, uh, Tim's company is Illum, and we're talking today about Radical Candor. Tim, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Craig. So mate, a bit of background, a bit of history. How did you get to the point where you are today, uh, an experienced sort of business coach and implementing Radical Candor? Tell us a bit about your background. Well, I'll do actually. It's, uh, I'll take you the long journey, but it'll be quick. Uh, I actually started in a trade background. I was a um, apprentice radio trades tech. Ended up as a contractor. Uh, ended up having a team of forty-five people at around nineteen ninety-nine. After running that business for ten years, loved business, loved the people. But a large English multinational came along and offered to buy it off me. So. I had three kids with another on the way, and I thought, well, that's a good as time as any. So I sold the business to them, yeah. worked for them for a while, uh, decided working for large multinationals wasn't for me. Took off around Australia in um, a big old bus with my wife and four kids. Yeah. And the guy that rented my house was a business coach. And I had a mate that was a org psych that had helped me through my coaching or through my business career. And it was a really successful business data cabling solutions, the cabling business I had. And I loved having that sounding board and having Eric around me to help. And and I got to meet, meet the guys from Sherlaw's, loved what they did. Uh, in 2007, became a business coach, became really uh, focused on strategic planning. I kind of I got into this little niche where I helped a whole range of businesses take their business from A to B or A to D, whether that be a small business startup or whether whether that be a, you know, I think the, my record was Vocus. We went from $200 million business to a $5 billion business in a thousand days, which is quite remarkable. That's huge. But, um, yes. Yeah, it was well, quite a ride. But uh, yeah, just so did a lot of strategic facilitation, um, ended up doing business coaching with the individuals, the, often the CEOs or the managing directors. And one of the things I noticed all the way through my career was as a business coach was that people struggle to have the tough conversations or what they perceive to be the tough conversations. And we had this wonderful framework above the line, below the line, love, fear that I know you're familiar with that worked really well. But a client of mine, um, a proprietary trader, which is like a mini hedge fund, uh, one of the head of people in culture sent me this link. I think it was about January or February 2017 with Kim Scott and Radical Candor. And it was the simplest framework. And it just, it spoke to this inability of people being able to be really caring and direct in the way that they actually give communication because people so often do. 
And so being the confident young fellow that I am, um, I sent an email <laughs> off to them and said, hey, if you guys need anyone to run workshops or help you out in Australia, I love what you're doing. And they sent me an email back within about 24 hours. And, and over the course of uh, probably took 12 months, 18 months, we ended up in uh, Silicon Valley with Kim Scott at her house with her CEO, uh, Jason, uh, and my business partner from New Zealand, uh, the wonderful Angela Neighbours and I went through a couple of days training on running the Radical Counter workshops. And uh, it was a wonderful experience. And uh, subsequently we've done a couple of dozen workshops in Australia now and they've, they've been fantastic. And I use the framework with pretty much every client I work with as well. Okay, and as I said in the introduction, I've actually sat through one of these workshops. I really enjoyed it. And I know that the, the client that I sat through it with has got a lot out of it since then because it's been a while now. For people that haven't seen it or heard of it before, tell us a bit about it. What is Radical Candor? It's about giving feedback, ultimately. And it's interesting what happens is people grow through feedback. And, and when we do the workshops, we often ask the room, what have been the pivotal moments in your life where someone has given you some feedback, where it's given you some real awareness to change? And there's some amazing stories come out of it. So the basic principle is care personally, and the other axis is challenge directly. For a while, it was called tough love, um, it, and the axes were uh, love and truth. So the basic premise is that people uh, really respond when people care about them, but they care enough to challenge directly. The observation that Kim made is that, you know, sometimes we do that, and I'm sure you would have experienced in your life, and I certainly have, where I've tried to challenge someone on something and give them some feedback, and it turns, the person gets quite angry with you, and you can fall into this quadrant at the bottom where sometimes some people do it as a management technique, that if I'm not making the girls at work cry, I'm not getting the message strong enough was a quote from a guy that I did some strategic planning work with. I used to work for a guy like that. Oh, really? Yeah, well, he was, act when I actually told him that all the girls at the work were scared of him and showed him the framework, he went, oh, so I'm obnoxiously aggressive. And I went, yep, that's the one. Um, so that's the bottom quadrant where you actually challenge directly, but the care personally is not really landing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, the next quadrant over, which that's the bottom right, the next quadrant is manipulative insincerity, where people basically, you know, tell you, great work, Craig, that was a fantastic presentation, mate. And they go back to the water cooler and say, Craig's a muppet. That was the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Where they just don't give a shit and they, you know, tell you lies. And probably the most damaging one is where you care enough about someone where you actually start trying to give them some feedback about how they might improve. And they either get upset um, or go really quiet or get angry or whatever, and then you back off, and that's called ruinous empathy, where you care a lot, but you don't you don't challenge people. But the trouble is people don't improve and they don't know. And you're trying to be caring, but by not giving people direct feedback, you're actually, you know, you're actually ruining their careers in many ways, which, you know, no one wants to do, or not many people want to do anyway. No, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's interesting because what you're actually talking about is a combination of the two factors. And the balance between them, really. You've got yeah. to care, personally, I think you said, but yes. you've also got to care enough to be able to happy to challenge people. And I think um, the example you used, I think, in the workshop, which rang true for me, was how many times have you sat at a dinner table or in a bar or somewhere and you've seen someone that's got something stuck on their face or a 
you know, a bit of food in their teeth and no one says a word. Everyone can see it. Everyone knows it's there. The nice thing to do would be to say, hey, listen, Tim, you've got a bit of food stuck on your face. Why don't you just wipe it off? Yes. But no one does. Now, there's a really fun exercise we call spinach in your teeth where, I mean, I've got home from dinner going out with my wife and there's spinach stuck in my teeth or I've got something dribbled on my shirt or something like that. Kath, why didn't you tell me? To go, oh, oh, you know, like I didn't want to embarrass you there. It's the yeah. weirdest, it's the funniest stories when you do this little exercise in the workshop where people go, I, I just didn't want to offend that person. And so we play with it in the different quadrants about how um, someone might give feedback in each of the four quadrants. But it's just a challenge for people because people um, so don't want to offend people often. And that's this ruinous empathy where you just go, well, I, I won't tell them about it. Or someone made a mistake in a spreadsheet and you just fix it for them and you don't want to upset them by telling them that I fixed this particular spread part in the spreadsheet. There's really interesting companies that you get into where you get really high care-based family businesses that often there's a lot of care, but they just, they don't feel like they can challenge directly until they get so frustrated that they end up losing their shit and getting into obnoxious aggression and, you know, losing their temper at somebody because they're utterly frustrated but it's because yeah. they hadn't managed to give that feedback in a, a, a prompt amount of time. It's interesting. So how do you actually implement it in a client? You explain how it works, obviously, but just tell us how you would actually go into a business and get them on board and using this. My job these days is I still do quite a lot of strategic facilitation, so helping people get clear on the vision and the culture of the organisation and whatnot. So it's, but a lot of my work now is in leadership development and executive coaching and we use this product called mindset 28 it's an assessment tool that that does both someone's cognitive abilities their social emotional journey and also their behaviors there's a client i was coaching in this and so he's a c-level guy and very very sophisticated ceo in this organization and one of the expectations of the ceo is that they have uh a great relationship in what he called their number one team, which was the seven people in the sea level. And so one was you've got to have a great relationship in your team, the one that you're managing, which, you know, in this case, this guy was in, he was managing an infrastructure for a very large organisation. He had a wonderful team relationship, but to the extent where he sort of looked after his own team and not necessarily the entire business. So when I got called in uh, to help this guy, he's... CEO said, look, you've got to start caring more about the other people in the business and, well, as much your number one team. So we came up with this little piece where we said, so it's a depth of relationship. How would you rate your relationship with your CEO? And he went, oh, seven, you know, and then we went across and there was a seven, a six, yep. a seven, and then he went three. I said, so what's going on there? And he said, oh, she's just bitch she throws me under the bus in meetings and you know it's awful we're just toxic and I went goodness and I said what's the expectation of your CEO and he went well now that we get on and and I said so out of interest is what's she like I mean she's she good at what she does you know no she's bloody good yeah she knows what she's doing and I said but you guys aren't working together and he said no we never have we just got off on the wrong foot and you know it's I just can't ever imagine you know ever working properly with her so then it was a two-hour coaching session, and this came out in the first, say, half an hour. I showed him above line, below line, that framework that would be, you know, the love-fear framework, and then we showed him radical candor. And he went, ah, oh, I just couldn't do that. I said, you know, and I said, well, let's just give it a try. And we spent the next hour and a half working through how he might 
start a conversation with this particular colleague of his. And he was so nervous about it. And he just, but to his credit, he's a wonderful coaching client. He just went, no, no, I'm into this. I, I'm going to give it a go because it's the expectation of my CEO that I do this. And so he went through things like, look, you know, to this particular woman, we'll call her Mary for the point of the exercise. Our Bruce, our CEO, wants us to, you know, there's an expectation that we get on. And I, there's something, I think it's to do with, with me, there's something that we've kicked off on the wrong foot. And we just haven't developed the relationship we could, you know, look, you're talented at what you do, but I think there's something that I do that perhaps is getting in the way of us, um, you know, developing a better relationship. And, uh, you know, I think there's times I throw you under the bus in a meeting and I, you know, I apologize for that, but let's just, you know, press, press reset and see if we can't develop a good working relationship. And then she proceeded to say to, say to him, I reckon I'm worse than you. I've thrown you under the bus far worse than you've thrown me under the bus. And then they had this little fun argument about who was actually worse to each other. Come back to the, the next coaching session. I said, how's the relationship? And he went, nine. And I went, no. And he went, yes. And a year later, she's they're still a nine. So it went from an absolutely, utterly toxic relationship to him getting to the point where he went, that was just incredible. I look, he, he now looks forward to having tough conversations because he could see what happened. And right. it's still my best ever result from it. I've never had a three in a C level before ever where anyone's ever said it's a three. I don't trust her. I don't like her. I don't like working with her. And now it's, and he's, and now his CEO relationship is a 9.5 because he's just going, he's so impressed with the fact that he's managed to start working through every relationship he has having these what would seem like tough conversations that ultimately people really welcome in the end. So it becomes, you start developing these really deep personal relationships with people that you work with because you care enough. There's some real, you know, finesse in some of this in that it's still just a hypothesis. You know, like sometimes you're giving someone feedback and you think they're doing something wrong, but it's really important to actually listen to understand that you happen to be right because sometimes you're not, you know. Did that does that ever happen to you that you're you're not actually right, Craig? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Regularly, mate. <laughs> in in practice, it's the way we do it for organize for organizations is two ways. It's either I build it into the coaching that we do with the, you know, the individuals. Um, but there's also the workshops that we have for anything from 20 to 100 people. I always like to start with the C-level people so that they've got the concept, you know, at least understanding it. But then, and also that they're a company that is not a fear-based, not a company that the C-level people live in that bottom right-hand corner of noxious aggression, where it's not really safe sometimes for people to give feedback. To speak up, yeah. Yeah, to speak up because it's actually career limiting. So there's certain fear-based organisations that Radical Candor won't help in, but more often than not, organisations have got that care in them and so there's a real intent. So we run a workshop that runs from anything from three hours to about seven hours where we actually go through a range of practices and it's really interactive. It's kind of fun. We often do these ones where we'll do an afternoon and then they'll go out for dinner afterwards or... Um, you know, off to another activity, but it's it's a really high energy, um, interactive sort of experiential type coaching experience that we run through the framework at depth, and we run a little that spinach in your teeth exercise, and then uh, there's some practice for giving feedback. And you know, the two tips for this is that 
that you actually start by learning to get feedback for you. So the best place is go to his team and say, so how I want to be a better boss, how could I do that for you? And there's a range of techniques, but just being open um, to listen to your team is a really great way to start. Mm-hmm. It's gold when you just sit there and listen to someone give you feedback and thank them for the for that. So that's the you know, really great place to start as a leader of a business, whether that be a four-person organisation or a 4,000-person organisation, listening and understanding your business uh, and listening and understanding your team so that you get feedback to improve yourself is remarkable. Um, and the other is to use radical candour for praise. The great right. cultures in the world are really good at telling people what they want them to do rather than what they don't want them to do. And it's a really great cultural shift in an organisation where you're really specific in the way that you give your praise. So there's a little framework uh, that we use in the Radical Candle workshops called uh, SBI, um, and it's about situation, behaviour, impact. So if I was to give you uh, some specific feedback, uh, praise, you know, like in that workshop we had down at uh, Lake Munmora, uh, Craig, I particularly liked in the afternoon session where you stepped up and spoke about the need for innovation in the business and how clear and articulate you were in, in making your point. And I'd love you to continue doing that in all the workshops we're in. Yep. I've not just said, good job, you're great in that workshop today, Craig. It's quite specific. Exactly. Yep. And it's the same thing with praise and with also um, criticism. Okay, and that's a good tip for people. I think the other thing that I heard just then you know, around leaders asking for feedback and listening. I mean, I've worked for people who would see that as absolutely a sign of weakness. Yeah, it's, it is. The vulnerable leader um, or the servant leader, as Simon Sinek often calls them, is is the most powerful leader in today's business. Is the, someone that says, I don't have um, all of the answers, is the powerful business leader of 2020. Uh, and that's what we do in the Mindset 28 uh, assessments we do in the high-level high developmental coaching we do for C-level guys and, and girls. And Rob Keegan's a Harvard psychologist who came up with these stages of development, uh, social-emotional. And an evolved leader is really vulnerable and, and open and listening to for feedback. They don't have the answers and they're vulnerable enough to go, you know, look, I could be wrong with this. I'd be really interested in hearing what you have to say about this and genuinely listening and understanding. You would have read the seven habits of successful people at yep. some time in your career. Yep. Habit number five of Covey's was seek first to understand and then be understood. I love this Covey story. I think it's one of the most profound um, mindset changing concepts for you to grapple with. And Covey tells a story of a, he's on a New York train subway and there's a guy sitting in the train his two kids are just running ragged around the train and annoying everybody on the train. And he's just got his head down, ignoring the kids and everybody on the train um, is annoyed and frustrated with this guy. And so eventually someone summons up the carriage to give him some radical candor, but it wasn't, it was absolutely obnoxious aggression and said, have you got no respect for anybody in this train? You know, could you just quieten your kids down? And the guy quietly yeah. looks up at the guy and says, look, I'm, I'm really sorry. We've just left the hospital and my wife has died and uh, I'm just taking the kids home. Wow. And the train just stopped 
And the guy sat down next to the guy and said, I'm sorry, is there anything I can do? And a woman crossed the carriage to help uh, the two kids and then another woman came to help. And so the whole thing changed. Like every time I hear that story or tell that story, the same tingle goes up the back of my neck because we just, we make assumptions as bosses and as humans. And a more evolved human, a, a, a Keegan stage five human, would be sitting across the train and going, it's fascinating that that guy is sitting there ignoring his children. He looks like the sort of guy that would probably take care of his children. I wonder what's going on for him. Yeah. A less evolved, judgmental person would go, what, he's got no respect for us. He's trying to ruin our afternoon. You know, like, so there's that that ability to be vulnerable and to to not jump to assessments is in, is absolutely critical in the whole idea of, you know, of becoming an evolved leader and being able to use radical candor. We come to a decision about, you know, someone cuts us off in traffic and we go, Ugh, dickhead. Now, the reality is they could be rushing their sick child who's lying down in the back seat to hospital. So it's that yeah. that different piece. And it's the same with radical candor. If you use Covey's uh, fifth habit to go, well, I'm making this observation of this person. I, I wonder what it could be. And I have a thesis that it they've got this particular issue going on and I think they could improve by this not necessarily right so radical candor can be I'm observing this thing I'm I'd, I'd love to help you with it let me understand why you think that's happening rather than just being you know giving an answer and telling them what to do yeah does that make sense absolutely no it's a great story it's a really useful illustration because we do jump straight away especially after years and years and years of managing people or whatever you've been doing you do have biases and you do jump straight to those conclusions. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. So, mate, before we wrap up, um, your number one tip for business owners in the mid-market, what do they need to do? Have the tough conversations and embrace them. And this is what I always try and flip with the people that I coach is they're not tough. They're actually great conversations. So you think it's a tough conversation, but if you can have a radically candid conversation where you care personally and challenge directly, you'll be amazed by the improvement you can have with your relationships and by the improvement that people have. Because so often business leaders are sitting there frustrated with lack of performance in some areas, but mm. don't know how to have that conversation. And they go, oh, they'll build it up into this big, tough conversation. Like my, you know, the guy that he could never thought he could have a conversation with his colleague, who he rated as a three, but he now looks at that as one of pivotal moments in his career because he, mm. he summed up, he, he now calls it a great conversation rather than a tough conversation, but he built it up. So just have the conversation and they can so often be great conversations when you think they're going to be really challenging. Fantastic, mate. Oh, and, and the other two tips, watch yep. Kim's video, just Google Radical Candor and, and download or buy the book. It's a, a great little read and you get a really great understanding of, you know, it, it can create best relationships, the best teams, and, and Kim's on a mission to change the world so that we have better bosses and better teams. And how do people get in touch with you, Tim, for more information or to get some help? Uh, just go to the Illum website, um, illum.com.au, um, and um, you can just get... Yeah, contact me. Um, if anyone wants to jot it down, my personal email is tim at loom.com.au and always happy to have a chat about um, helping leaders develop to be the best leaders they can be. Thank you for listening to SME Radio, proudly produced by EagleWave's small business podcasting platform. For more great episodes like this, go to smea.org.au.
Remember, if you have a story to tell, we want to share it. 